And come seven o'clock, guess what? No Bobby Dugas. Golly gosh, wow. Come eight and nine and nine thirty, guess further what? More of the same, by God. At twenty to ten, Henry Beaufort, bartender and owner of the Mellow Tiger, had invited Hugh to put an egg in his shoe and beat it, to make like a tree and leave, to imitate an amoeba and split. In other words, to get the fuck out. Hugh had been outraged. It was true he had kicked the jukebox, but the goddamn George Jones record had been skipping again. What was I supposed to do, just sit here and listen to it? He demanded of Henry. You ought to take that record off, that's all. Guy sounds like he's having a fucking pepileptic fit. You haven't had enough, I can see that, Henry said, but you've had all you're going to get here. You'll have to get the rest of it out of your own refrigerator. What if I say no? Hugh demanded. Then I call Sheriff Pangborn, Henry said evenly. The other patrons of the Tiger, there weren't many this late on a weeknight, were watching this exchange with interest. Men were careful to be polite around Hugh Priest, especially when he was in his cups, but he was never going to win Castle Rock's most popular fella contest. I wouldn't like to, Henry continued, but I will do it, Hugh. I'm sick and tired of you kicking my rockola. Hugh considered saying, then I guess I'll just have to kick you a few times instead, you frog son of a bitch. Then he thought of that fat bastard Keaton handing him a pink slip for kicking up Dickens in the local tavern. Of course, if he really got fired, the pink would come in the mail. It always did. Pigs like Keaton never dirtied their hands or risked a fat lip by doing it in person, but it helped to think of that. It turned the dials down a little. And he did have a couple of six-packs at home, one in the fridge and the other in the woodshed. Okay, he said. I don't need this action anyway. Give me my keys. For he had turned them over to Henry as a precaution when he sat down at the bar six hours and eighteen beers ago. Nope. Henry wiped his hands on a piece of towel and stared at Hugh unflinchingly. Nope. What the hell you mean, nope? I mean you're too damn drunk to drive. I know it. When you wake up tomorrow morning and see how your head feels, you're going to know it too. Listen, Hugh said patiently. When I gave you the goddamn keys, I thought I had a ride home. Bobby Duga said he was coming down for a few beers. It's not my fault the numb fuck never showed. Henry sighed. I sympathize with that, but it's not my problem. I could get sued if you wiped somebody out. I doubt if that means much to you, but it does to me. I got to cover my ass, buddy. In this world, nobody else does it for you. Hugh felt resentment self-pity, and an odd, inchoate wretchedness welled to the surface of his mind like some foul liquid seeping up from a long-buried canister of toxic waste. He looked from his keys, hanging behind the bar next to a plaque which read, If you don't like our town, look for a timetable, and back to Henry. He was alarmed to find he was on the verge of tears. Henry glanced past him at the few other customers currently in attendance. Hey! Any of you yo-yos headed up Castle Hill? Men looked down at their tables and said nothing. One or two cracked their knuckles. Charlie Fortin sauntered toward the men's room with elaborate slowness. No one answered. See, you said. Come on, Henry, give me my keys. Henry had shaken his head with slow finality. If you want to come in here and do some drinking another time, you just want to take a hike. Okay, I will, Hugh said.
His voice was that of a pouty child on the verge of a temper tantrum. He crossed the floor with his head down and his hands balled into tight fists. He waited for someone to laugh. He almost hoped someone would. He would clean some house then and fuck the job. But the place was silent except for Reba McIntyre, who was whining something about Alabama. You can pick up your keys tomorrow, Henry called after him. Hugh said nothing. With a mighty effort, he restrained himself from putting one scuffed yellow work boot right through Henry Beaufort's damned old rockola as he went by. Then, with his head down, he passed out into darkness. Now the mist had become a proper drizzle, and Henry guessed the drizzle would develop into a steady, drenching rain by the time he reached home. It was just his luck. He walked steadily onward, not weaving quite so much now. The air had had a sobering effect on him, eyes moving restlessly from side to side. His mind was troubled, and he wished someone would come along and give him some lip.